Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Hello, today I'm so happy to introduce to you my friend and my pastor. I don't think everybody can say that. Uh, and I think he thinks the same, Tim Thule, uh, pastor of Grace Church, or we don't even call it Grace Church Slow now, Grace Church Central oh. Coast, because we are spreading our wings by God's uh, leading, grace and mercy. And he came to our church, I think, when I was 50, so 18 years ago, and he was a lot younger too. But um, we have a mutual admiration society. At least I admire him so much. I love his teaching. So, Tim, if you would just talk to us or introduce your family first to us and maybe the ages of your kids and um, your, your favorite part about being our pastor, and then we'll get into the legacy questions. Okay. Uh, you bet. I remember, Sue, um, when I was candidating for this <laughs> position, I remember being in your house one evening, uh, <laughs> one of the many home meetings that happened before I was called to grace. So, Fond memories, thanks for your friendship, and uh, I've really appreciated our interactions throughout the year. So uh, yeah, my, I've been married to my wife Susie for, uh, we're in our 28th year of marriage, and we have um, four awesome kids. Uh, Sage is 23, Eden, and a graduate of uh, Biola University. Eden is 21, and she's in her senior year at Biola. I've got a Two boys, uh, Zeke, Ezekiel is um, 18 and just graduated from mm. high school. He is kind of in the middle of a gap semester at least. He's, his dream is to play college basketball. Wow. So I think jumping into Hancock uh, next semester because they're going to do basketball, even trying to figure this out in COVID. And then Hawken is 15 and just started his freshman year of high school. So two girls and two boys, they're like mini family. It's like two mini families, mm -hmm. which has been awesome. They're, they're great. And um, so, so thankful for my kids. I uh, love who they are and who they're becoming. Let's see. What did you ask? Uh, um, your ministry. Your favorite thing about your ministry. So, um, yeah, I came to Grace in 2003. It's been a wonderful place to raise our family. We have just felt so loved and cared for as a pastor's family here in our church. And it's gone super fast. When I, when I was candidating, I said, I'm looking for a place I could potentially, if the Lord wills, be for 30 years. And uh, so far, it's been 18. It's been just a fantastic ride. And uh, just love what God has done and what God's doing. I really love our church, a multi-generational, downtown, uh, just making an impact on our community. And I love its history. Mm. Uh, you know, it was almost 75 when I got here and we're approaching 90. And mm. if the Lord wills, I'll be here for the 100 year anniversary. And um, it's, I don't know, just walking into that history, realizing it's not about you and, um, you know, the Lord doesn't need me, but I get to be faithful for a, a season. That's been great. Tim, that, that reminded me of what, uh, one of the, mor the morning you candidated at church. And I think I was singing special music or something. And I sat down that next to you. Yeah, when you tripped. Yeah, that the yeah. famous walk up to the platform, which 
you know, if you weren't humble before, that's when it happened. And um, God is so good to keep me Absolutely. humble. And, yes. And I sat down next to you and I turned to you because I so appreciated your teaching. I said, you know, if we call you, you will marry my children and bury me. And I don't know if you recall <laughs> me saying that. And of course, my kids still aren't married and neither am I buried. But uh, what I appreciate about, about pardon me, dear. I said there's still time left. Oh, yes. And I appreciate so many things about you, but um, one thing is that uh, look to longevity. I mean, you're not bouncing around. Now, that says not just something for you nor for our church. It says something for the grace of God because I've had family in ministry, and uh, they were, I was told once that the average length, length of time for a pastor to be at church is five years. I don't know if that's changed or not. I'm no expert. All I know is that it does a family well to have the stability of the leadership. So um, we appreciate you as well. Uh, what's your favorite part? You did mention the historicity of being in this long church where we really haven't had that many pastors. But yeah, I'm only uh, the fifth lead pastor in 90 years. In how many? Church. What was the number? 90, I'm the fifth lead pastor in 90 years, which yeah, is pretty really amazing. unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so keep at it. Don't uh, persevere, my dear. We're going to talk about that in a minute, too. But I would like to know your favorite part of being a pastor. Can you have a favorite part? I love the diversity and the variety of what I get to do. Mm. So I love every part of my job. So I love the people stuff. Um, I want to invest my, we're talking legacy, I want to invest my life in things that are going to make the biggest difference for eternity. And I believe that's God's word and God's people. And so serving as a pastor, I get to invest in both those things. I love seeing things grow, whether it's my garden or God's garden, the church. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's really a joy to watch people grow and change. That's fun. I love how, uh, sorry, I'm not answering just one thing, but I, I love um, the depth of God's word uh, in uh, Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so you know, every time I open the Bible, it's new and fresh and I learn new things. I'm the one who's most blessed and preparing to teach, as I know you know. And so I just love that. I love uh, leadership and seeing our staff grow and sharing leadership, plurality of leadership, building teams. Um, I love it all. My, my family says that. I, I, you love every part of your job, and, and that's really true. And that's a gift from God to you because I would say many people in their careers are just uh, marching through a job just to persevere, but they don't really love it. And I feel the same way about my life as well that it's exciting to get up in the morning because of what God has given me to do, even though that's always changing. I like the variety as well, Tim. We're a little bit alike, though you're, you know the word a lot better. Um, and you have to preach it every week. I don't week. know about that, Steve, uh, Oh, no. I'm funnier than you, but you do know the word a lot better. Um, a question I have for you is, um, and this is, this. I just thought of this because my mentor is Lori Potratz. You know her. And whenever I ask her a question, like, should I do this new thing I've been asked to do? Or should I meet with this person? Or should I write this? She always says, well, if, if it has to do with people or the word, then it's a yes, if you have the time, because both of those last forever. And then I had to go back to scripture and find that where it says that. And I don't know it offhand. But you just said 
that um, you get to invest in those two things. You just said that God's word and God's people. What comfort or wisdom or guidance can you give to uh, my listeners right now who don't do it full time as a profession? What could you, how could you encourage them to invest in those two items, God's word and God's people? Yeah. So um, yeah. In saying, in referring to my own calling, I don't want to denigrate or devalue any other calling. So oh, I really want to avoid a secular sacred uh, split. You know, the reality is God calls us all to different parts of what he's doing in the world. And um, so, you know, I love what Luther said, you know, like the shoemaker is called to make the best shoe he can and sell it at a fair price. And when he does that to the best of his ability, then he's glorifying God. Mm-hmm. And um, so every one of us has to figure that out. And for me, I mean, I, I ended up doing what I do really as I was just thinking about maximizing impact. And I, I, I truly believe that anybody who uh, is tending to the calling that God has given them. And I think where you are is where you're called to be. Hmm. And until God makes it clear that he calls you out of there. Say like, that one that more time. Is, Say that one more time. Yeah. Tim. <laughs> where you are is where you're called to be until God calls you out, out of that place. So bloom where you're planted. I love that. And um, so where God has called you to be, that's the best place you can glorify him. And I do think even as you do that, while I get the joy of investing in God's people and especially God's word in a really unique, concentrated fashion, I think all of God's people are, are, are called to invest in those things, even while they balance their other callings. Amen. And so, yeah. And so um, I, get the, I get the privilege and the pleasure of doing that for a greater period of time um, in a, on a regular basis. But ultimately, you know, investing in God's people and God's word is going to fuel your calling, whatever it is. It's going to make it, it's going to provide meaning and purpose uh, and perspective as you thrive in that calling. So I, I really do think it's going to be fuel for you. And so I always, one of the things I say to our people is you've got to connect your calling to what God's doing in the world. And I think there's a way to do that, wh- whether you're called to be a stay at home mom or you're called to be an engineer, we got to make those connections between what God is doing in the world, which is helping people find and follow him find and follow Jesus, um, you know, making, making disciples. Uh, we, we, every one of us can connect our calling to that, whether it's through, hey, I'm making money so I can fund uh, the church and God's people and others who do that, or hey, around me, God has placed neighbors who I'm, I'm to be a light to. And yeah. both those, like, we can't stop thinking about that. So I heard long, a, long, a long time ago that spirituality isn't a slice of the pie, it's the whole pie. And I love, love that when I heard it because I thought, yes, that's obvious, but it's not the way we all live. So how, what counsel or advice or wisdom could you pass on to someone who says, okay, that sounds good on paper, Tim, but I have to spend you know, 50, 60-hour work weeks. I have four children under 10. I have a mortgage to pay. And I'm kind of all wrapped up in, in the dailies. How, how can I make God 
uh, an integral part of all that? It's mm. mm. a great question. Uh, I, I would say one, one of the things that you want to do in that, I mean, we all, we all face that, right? Life is a grind, life is hard. So a couple things. One is I think you want to find spiritual touch points, you know, places in your world where you're seeking God, spending time with God's people. And I know how hard that is to wedge in, but these are just things that we need mm -hmm. as followers of Jesus. We're called to follow Jesus, not alone, but together. And so we've got to be in a spiritual community. We've got to be hearing God's word and you got to get strategic and creative in terms of how you do that. I mean, if you're holding babies and changing babies all day, you can listen to God's word. Mm -hmm. You can listen to music that turns your attention to the Lord and you've got to have some spiritual friendships. You've got to be connected to the church and God's people. If you don't, you know, it's the log away that rolls away from the fire analogy you are not going to burn hot for the Lord if you're trying to do this by yourself. Mm -hmm. A, a uh, solo log, uh, you know, extinguishes over time. So those would be set things that I would say too. The other thing I would say is that life is a long game. Uh, this, like, this is the way I've tried to approach ministry in our church is like, there's, there's, you know, like, I'm an incrementalist, not a revolutionary. So I believe in the power of compounding, showing up in regular places, doing things over a long period of time. That's how change happens. Change happens slow. And so don't lament the season. Life is full of mm -hmm. seasons and you might be in a season where, man, it just feels like you can't see past the sleepless nights with, you know, we had, we had our kids over a 10 year period of time. And I, I just say, I didn't sleep for a decade. <laughs> I mean, but the Lord gives grace and that season you are going to get past it. So figure out some spiritual practices that can keep you, you know, checking in, touch pointing. And, and as you do that, there's going to be a compound impact of that i'm a i'm a set it and forget it guy so I, I i was i was with a group of like i've been in a men's bible study for the greater part of my adult life i think it's 40 years and i just believe that that's essential for me i need that spiritual touch point every week and i don't have time for that but i wedge it in at six o'clock in the morning and um you know sometimes i've led that most of the time now i'm not leading it and um, it does so much for me. And my wife just says that you need that. And I've got like five or six things like that. I've got a, I've got mm -hmm. a friend in my life who, um, he initiated this, but it's been a gift to me. We have run every Wednesday morning for the last decade. Wow. And that has been powerful. We've prayed, we've run, we've talked life. And there are times when Susie says to me, like, when is Wednesday coming? Because you need to get out and you need to go talk <laughs> to your friend. A good wife. And yeah, yeah. And she knows. She uh -huh. sees that those things are woven into my life. And I've said them and I've for forgotten them. But, and I see the, imp like, I, I, I woke up this week and I ran with this friend and we prayed. And I, I reflect on that. I, I never intended. We didn't start out saying we're going to be doing this in 10 years. Mm -hmm. But I look back and it's been a life-shaping deposit and and it's just like saving your money it it's the power is in in you know 
dollar cost averaging over time, just making that savings deposit every month, or for mm -hmm. us, it's been every week. And mm -hmm. I just look back and that's how change has happened in my life through just consistent showing up um, in practices that by God's grace, man, I didn't know what I was doing, but these things just got built into my life. Well, you are illustrating what you believe in, which is incremental living. I mean, you do it week by week. It's incrementally. And some weeks, maybe you're not as good as other weeks. That just doesn't oh, really absolutely. matter. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I show up in that men's group and half the time I walk away and I go, eh, meh, you know, which mm -hmm. is what a lot of guys do. They come and they expect like this bang experience mm -hmm. on the mm -hmm. one time they show up and then, mm -hmm. they, you know, but the power is in showing up week after week after week. Right. I think that's the power in marriage. I think that's the power in pastoring. I think that's the power in exercising. I think that's the power in saving. Everywhere in life, I think this is how life works and how mm -hmm. God has wired the world to work. I asked Diane Hilbert about, um, planting things because I know nothing about it. And she's a specialist. And she said, Sue, gardens grow best with the drip system, not with the big splashes. And when I speak, I say, you know, today you're here, ladies, and it's a big splash, hopefully, but it's not going to last. And we need the drip system. And that's what mentoring is all about and spending time in the word. That's not that we call God a drip or going to church a drip, but it is an incremental pouring in, showing up so that God shows up in our lives. And he is so responsive to so the least bit of us, of me turning towards him. He goes, I've been here all along, Sue. And I turn to him and I go, oh, thanks so much that you've been here waiting for me. Do you have any uh, last, well, I haven't been able to ask all these questions, but I know this is going long, but did you have to make any changes or overcome any obstacles to pass on this legacy of building into investing in the word and investing in people? What have been the biggest challenges? I suppose time would be one. Yes. Say, say the question again, Sue, for me. Your legacy is to build into people and to build into the word. What obstacles have you had to overcome or challenges that you've had to face? Because we know you and I both know it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the biggest challenge is the disappointment that comes when people eject. And, um, you know, when, when you are investing in relationships in your church and you're heading in a direction and then people just decide I'm going a different direction. Like that's, that's hard. That's, and so I think the, the heartache in ministry is you build into people and then either God moves them or they choose to leave. And um, that's, you know, you have to have a, a tough skin and a tender heart in ministry. Um, there's no guarantees. Uh, yeah, so you lose friends in ministry too, like people you just are living life with. There's hurts and mm -hmm. um, that's hard. That's it hard. is hard. It is hard. hard. It, it makes you want to uh, crawl back into your shell or hole because that way you don't get hurt. But yeah, even, I think it can make you really brittle too. I think mm -hmm. it can, you know, cause you to become crusty and so to stay supple before the Lord and just grieve it and um, trust the Lord through it and, you know, learn what you can through these circumstances because there's always something to learn. So Lord, what do you, what do I need to take away from this particular situation? 
and then and then coming back to and I always say this I do what my I do what I do um, before the eyes of one ultimately that that ultimately I'm going to give an account to God for what I do and how I pastor and uh, audience of one so um, it doesn't feel like that a lot of the time but yeah. but ultimately I'm you know, while I'm accountable to other leaders here and absolutely submissive to the plurality of our leadership here at Grace, ultimately um, we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And I just try and keep that in mind as I. I think there is a um, singular temptation for people on the stage, literally on the stage. Uh, I remember when we were praying for a new music pastor long before you came. And my prayer would be that was that the person would be humble because I was a soloist and I know what it's like. You know, you want to make sure you do a good job and you forget about the audience of one when your voice cracks or whatever. And then we got Al Streeter, who is like the most humble, talented musician. And I thought, God answered my prayer. And I mean, he's many things, but humility is, you know, that's, that's forefront for Al. And, um, and I think that's a temptation for any of us who have stage ministries to make sure that we know where any of all of our gifts uh, come from and that they're for an audience of one. So I appreciate that. How can we as, uh, I'd like one more thing too, about your kids. What would they say about you as far as a legacy? I know you're a heck of a lot of fun because you surf and you do all those exercise things, but what do you want them to be able to say about you? Yeah, well, um, like it says in one of the John epistles, I have no greater joy than to know my kids are walking in the truth. So, you know, the pot's still cooking. I want to be real clear about that. And um, so, you know, we we are, I'm striving with the Lord in prayer even now that my kids would um, see their need for the Lord and, you know, strive after seek the Lord with all that they are. And um, so far that things are looking good, but there's no guarantees. And they too are looking down the barrel at um, lives that are marathons, not sprints. So walking with God and seeking the Lord over the long haul, that's harder than uh, hard for all of us. So, right. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that Susie and I say, you know, my wife's a psychologist, so she brings a lot to the parenting process. Um, with me and she's a way better parent than I am and so um, I've learned a ton from her she just brings all this emotional talent intelligence to the table and so one of the things that we always say is we're screwing up our kids we're just not sure how and, <laughs> um, yeah and so uh, we, you know just we, we just so believe in our own brokenness and so mm -hmm. our kids are broken too and and we're we're a part of that brokenness because we believe that that systems are families or systems and so um yeah but but we've tried to be as real Susie's very real I've tried to be real in ministry the same guy I am in public as I am in private and I think my kids have I think they buy that I think they've experienced that and um you know I've always said that I want my kids to grow up and say my dad was a pastor and it was great yeah mm -hmm. because there aren't, not every pastor's kid can say that. And so one of the ways we've, we've tried to achieve that, um, and again, the pot's still cooking, is just by being super real and authentic. And so I think that's been a strength. And I think my kids would say, like, dad was all in. 
uh, from top to bottom in our lives. He loved us like crazy and um, was for us and really wanted good things for us and, mm. and above all wanted us to know and seek the Lord. I think mm. that's what they'd say. You know, once in a while I, I'll, I'll get a, an article will come across my radar about pastors' families and how screwed up they are and how hard it is. And I'll send it to my kids and I'll say, I'd love to chat with you about this and hear about your experience. And it finally got to the place where my girls who were a little bit older, they just said, dad, why do you keep sending us this stuff? <laughs> Things have been great. And it was like, ah, oh, it just allowed me to relax a little bit because I'm, I'm just assuming the worst. I'm kind of a worst case scenario guy. And so I just am trying to create that safety for them where they can at least talk about it. But I think, you know, our church has been a really safe place for our kids. I think our kids have felt like they can be who they are and they're not targeted as pastor's kids. And I just am so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that we said before we came and it's really borne out is we we're looking for a healthy place to to pour out our lives and um, people asked way back then you know what well what is a healthy place and and um, as we talked about that I, I would say that I'm really grateful Grace Grace Central Coast is far from perfect but it's healthy and um, it's been a really healthy place for our family. And I hope that's the case for our other pastors' families as well. Well, you brought on, or the, the whole staff has brought on a, a great staff. They're young and they're growing. And it's been a delight to hear the different uh, pastors uh, preach this summer and the variety and, and the fact that you allow them to do that. It's always a blessing to hear you. Last Sunday, I'd been out of, out of town for a couple of weeks. I thought, oh, we get Tim. The head honcho, it had been a while for me. And uh, I so appreciate it. Uh, We'll close with this. How can we pray for our pastors to help them persevere? Because it is all about perseverance, as you know. Sticking with the family. Yeah, yeah, I don't know who said it, but, you know, everybody's fighting a battle that we can't see. Um, Mm -hmm. I believe that. And so, you know, pastors are people. Uh, I think just remembering that and um, praying for pastors and their marriages Mm -hmm. and their kids and not every church and there are so many unhealthy churches and so you know if you're a uh, a member of another church just cultivate health cultivate unity like even from a pew perspective a congregant perspective (laughs) you're 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 a contributor to that culture Mm -hmm. Um, churches are cultures and there's so many unhealthy ones so just doing what you can to care for your pastor, um, pray for them regularly, um, pray that God would meet them in the word, pray for their integrity. Um, it's real. I mean, uh, every pastor faces every temptation, just like everybody else does. And I think that that Satan just wants to destroy churches and pastors and pastors' families. And so that's real. That's real. Mm-hmm. I felt, again, just, just <laughs> love your pastor care for him, tell him you're Mm -hmm. praying for him, ask him how you can pray for him. Mm -hmm. And that'll mean a lot. That'll mean a lot. I have so many people who tell me regularly, we pray for you every day. Oh my gosh. That just makes me cry. It's massive. It's massive. It's It's so, Mm -hmm. so humbling. And I, I think that's, that's got to be part of the spiritual power of what's happening in our church. And so I think of the opposite where people feel that they can email you every day about the things they don't like. And uh, there's there's a few of those like that. I probably have been in that as well. But, um, 
but the fact that so many say they pray for you every day, what a gift to you, Tim and Susie. And when I hear of a pastor who has fallen or church has fallen apart because of immorality, that's when I gird up my lines. I, oh, I have to pray for all of our pastors because that's just a normal thing. And it's worse when it's from, I think it's worse for Christ's reputation when those things happen. Quickly, I know we're during COVID and I'm not sure how, COVID, how much the COVID will be around. The elections will be over by the time this is published. But how do you deal with a, such a diverse, we don't have a lot of diversity in the common sense of the word in our church, but as far as diverse opinions, there's diverse, diversity in, in how we view the, um, uh, the political sway. You've mentioned it many times and how we respond to the shutdown. I mean, that's difficult. And I'm glad you are surrounded by godly elders, but how you personally, how have you dealt with this these last few months? Mm. Yeah, so um, the, the, it really is. I, you're right. Our church is not as ethnically diverse as it needs to be or that we hope it will be. And mm -hmm. we're, we're doing what we can to move forward in that area. But we are diverse in age. Um, and we, I would say that we have, we represent a pretty diverse perspective and more and more diverse socioeconomically, I would say politically, we're more diverse than we have, we've ever been. So one of the things that I think that one of the keys is by uniting around the gospel there we go. And, and keeping the main thing, the main thing, um, you know, and every church has to figure this out, but we said a long time ago that, you know, the gospel is meant to be, it, the gospel is a stumbling block, but let's, let's avoid other stumbling blocks. Let's not erect more stumbling blocks for people. The gospel's going to be. Hmm. So we've, we've really, as a church, stayed out of po the political game altogether. And, you know, the way we do that is we encourage our folks to personally engage, but we will not endorse political candidates. We don't provide voting guides. Um, we just say, go be, bring your faith to the ballot box. Um, be an informed biblical voter. Go figure out what that means. And really, as we teach through the Bible in our church, we're trying to inform and, and really form a worldview in people's lives so that they they are thoughtful, mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> faithful mm -hmm. citizens. Yeah. Right. So again, not every church does that, but um, that, that, that's been, so we, we just say we're called to unite, which means we, we leave some of our, you know, strident personal perspectives <laughs> at the door. And yeah. um, it's, it's that it doesn't happen perfectly, but I think that's been a key to the unity of our church. And I think mm -hmm. people find it refreshing, like, oh, well, we can have different a difference of opinion on some of the stuff, but when we come together, our unity is around the Lord and the things of the Lord and the gospel. So, um, yeah, we, we we just keep unity is something you can't take for granted. You've got to nurture it mm -hmm. because it's built over a long period of time, and just like integrity, it's lost in a moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, I I really value unity, and we I pray for it. And we work hard to cultivate it among our leadership and then in our church in general. Tim, this has been a delight and uh, not only an inspiration, but instructive as well. And I appreciate taking time out of your very busy life. And thanks for being my friend and my pastor. Thank you, Sue. Thanks for your constant encouragement and for what you do. 
I love your ministry and God's using you. So keep keep going, lady. I love you. I, I will. Love you Until too. next Thanks. time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.